Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I am your host. Thrilled to be here on a Thursday, probably afternoon, maybe morning, depending on what uh, where you live in the country or the world. Thank you to everyone for listening, especially as we head towards the holidays. Don't you worry. We will have a loaded slate of podcasts for the Thanksgiving week to get you covered for your not just commute, but your drive to see those in-laws. Who doesn't love their in-laws? I know I love my in-laws. Um, if you like the show, rate, review, jump on uh, Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star. You can say something nice. People who leave questions or philosophical topics about life will have those questions answered. A lot of these things are funny, so we really appreciate that. I know we have a quirky, quirky and I mean a good way, uh, listener group. So feel free to fire up and leave a, uh, a hilarious review. In the meantime, let's talk Texans and Colts. Every Thursday, he comes up to this podcast twice a week for the entire season, grinding out these previews. Jared Dubin. Dubs, what's up, buddy? Hey, man. I'm glad you uh, got a shout-out for your in-laws early in the podcast. That's uh, I hope they're listening. They're and, not. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the wife will be happy to know that you love your in-laws. It definitely was not something that you planted on the podcast just to curry some favor. Um, totally organic mention. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you would definitely have the, um, exact same result if you pump me full of truth serum and, or, or, or like 12 old toughies, as Brady Quinn might say, and, uh, and got me away from a microphone. I'm sure I would say, oh, I love them. They're great. Um, actually, my stepfather in law, Pop, as we call him, um, is, is pretty awesome. He loves to, uh, he loves to ask me, he loves to ask me who he should bet on for the thanks, for like, you know, holiday, you know, sporting events and then gets mad at me when I'm wrong. Um, another totally organic balls, mention. Losing my balls over here, too, <laughs> Pop. Uh, Pop, we need this Texans game. So who should Pop? Who should Pop bet on, Jared? Uh, no. uh, anyway, let's. Uh, this is a huge game, I think. Um, and I, I don't want to. You know, I hate to cite non non CBS stuff, but uh, ESPN's FPI does playoff leverage, which is something we don't do. So I'm not. You know, I'm not like. Um, I don't think I'm stealing from our, you know, our cachet or whatever, but, uh, we, I think the leverage here is like 40% by, for both teams or something like that. I mean, it's, it's crazy just how much this particular game matters, uh, in the grand scope of things. And you even heard your boy, Duke Johnson, um, Miami guy come out and say after they got pummeled by the Ravens, the Texans, that they were like this, you know, that, that wasn't the big game on our schedule. It was almost like the Ravens game, <laughs> the best team in football was a look ahead game for the Texans because they knew on Thursday night they had the Colts in a game that is absolutely must win for both teams and will probably do decide the fate of the AFC South. Yeah. I mean, it sure seems like that. I think RJ mentioned that when you guys did the picks podcast last week about the look ahead for the Texans to the Colts, didn't he? Or maybe it was the whatever the, whoever the Colts played, and he mentioned they had a look at oh, one yeah. of the two. He mentioned that um, 
And I mean, if, uh, if Indianapolis wins this game, they create, I mean, I guess whoever wins this game creates a, a one game lead for themselves and the tiebreaker can go to who won the first game again? The, 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 the Colts won the first game. Colts won the first game in a wild shootout in Indianapolis. By the way, it was, uh, I saw it on Twitter this morning. It was Brian Burke of ESPN. Awesome guy. Uh, good Twitter follow as well. Uh, B Burke ESPN. I'm going to get yelled at for mentioning ESPN seven times on this podcast. Um, but, uh, there is a 28. So the, the FBI basically says the leverage is the difference between your chances of making the playoffs with a win and the chances of missing the playoffs with a loss. The leverage for the Texans is 28%. That is a ton. Uh, so like, in other words, if they win their playoff chances, the chances to make the playoffs increase 28%. And for the Colts, it's 43%, obviously, because, you know, they would have the, the sweep over the Texans, right. a very likely chance of, of winning the uh, AFC South. I mean, this is a, a big, big game for both teams. Yeah, I mean, if the Texans lose, they essentially go down two games in the division because they would have to get a game ahead of Indianapolis to win the AFC South. And, if the, you know, the same thing if the Colts win. Obviously, it's a little bit different if the Texans manage to win because then they've split the season series. But, I mean, whoever wins this game is going to have the four seed after the game, and whoever loses is going to drop down to the seven because the Raiders will still be six and four, and the loser will be six and five. So, I mean, it is, it's a huge game. Yeah. And the other thing, too, I mean, they're both six and four coming in. So you'd be seven and four versus six and five. So you're, if, you know, Indy would be a game, a full two games ahead, or I guess a game and a half technically ahead of, of Houston, whereas uh, Houston, you know, would then be a half or a full game ahead. Um, and the other thing, too, is that you go to division record, right, after uh, after is the tiebreaker. And if the Colts win this one, they'd be 4-0 and in the division. The, the Texans would be 2-2. Uh, and That's pretty much insurmountable in terms of the second tiebreaker. Uh, not that it would matter for the Colts because they'd have head-to-head. Um, but uh, the, the Texans, you know, if – they win. They'd be three and one. It would move the Colts to three and one. So you would you would narrow down that you would get to that third tiebreaker automatically if you ended up in that situation because you split head to head and you have the tied division record at this point in time. It's it's all convoluted. There's a lot of time left for the playoffs before we get there. But the point being, huge freaking game. Um, how do you look at it when? Uh, how do you look at it from an injury perspective? Because there are a lot of people missing. Paris Campbell will not play. He has a football on his hand. It looks like a football. His injury looks like an actual football. Marlon Mack uh, had surgery on his hand. He will not play. It sounds – it is questionable as to whether or not uh, Eric Ebron, T.Y. Hilton, Rakia Sin uh, will play for, for the Colts. And then Will Fuller is expected to be a game-time decision with a hamstring injury. No Justin Reed. And Bradley Roby also questionable as well as Tashawn Gibson. So uh, Gip, Gibson, excuse me. Um, a lot of injuries in this game. Yeah, ton of injuries. I mean, the biggest one, obviously, is T.Y. Hilton. I'm Jacoby Brissett is a different passer when he's got Brissett out there. And, I mean, you saw that in the previous game. It was Brissett's best game of the season. He threw for 326 yards and four touchdowns. T.Y. Hilton caught six of those passes for 74 yards and a score. Zach Paschal had what was then his breakout game with six catches himself uh, for also for two touchdowns. Um, and since then, like, he – has had good chemistry with Brissett, but he's also been pretty inconsistent. And, you know, their their number two receiver has been like a guy who was on the practice squad at the start of the season. And they've tried to use more of the, the two tight end stuff with Ebron and Jack Doyle. And Ebron was kind of a monster a couple of weeks ago. But then last week he played through an illness and was like throwing up on the sideline during the game. 
Um, and if, if Hilton doesn't play, they really need to get into that two tight end set. Uh, if he does, then they could sort of rotate those guys in and out a little bit more often. So they need one of Hilton or Ebron to play is what you're saying. And by the way, T.Y. Hilton is a Texans killer. I mean, he absolutely murders the Texans. He has 1,500 career receiving yards against the Texans. He averages 101.3 yards per game as well as 5.5 catches per game against the Texans, 11.4 yards per target, catches over 61% of his passes, um, and he has 10 touchdowns in 15 games against the Texans. He murders this team. Now, a 19, almost 18 and a half yards per catch. It's just, he, I don't know why, like, I don't think it's a, the Texans have always sucked in the secondary. I don't know if the Texans passed him over coming out of UCF or something, but like, oh no, he's not UCF. He's, um, crap, where's T.Y. Hilton go to school? Did he go to USF? I don't know. Um, either way, FIU, FIU, because remember Marlon Mack was UCF. Right. It's like the Grigson had this thing about these middle <laughs> schools. I uh, would usually at this point, I would be like, yeah, but you know, it's not the same Texans. It's not the same Colts. Andrew Luck is not the quarterback, but this Texan secondary is like as bad as it's been in years. It's like a disaster. It's somehow even worse than the last time these two teams played. So there's a lot of opportunity there if they have, you know, I mean, Hilton and Ebron are arguably their two top targets in the passing game. Having one of them is obviously big for them. Having both is even better. Having none, you know, all of a sudden it's a much different Colts offense out there. And then they don't have as good of a crutch to fall back on with the running game because, you know, as as well as Jonathan Williams ran last week, that was the Jaguars who are a run funnel defense. Their pass defense is very good. Their run defense is not. Um, the, the Texans are basically the opposite. Even without J.J. Watt, they've still had a good run defense, but their pass defense is kind of a disaster. Um, and, and we still don't know if Jordan Wilkins is going to play yet either. No, he's, um, he's, he's off the injury report, so he should play. All right, well, that's a good sign for them too. I would imagine that, that him and Williams will both get into the mix, and then Naeem Hines will probably be the passing down guy or the two-minute guy or both. Um, and that's, you know, that's a decent rotation, but it's not, it's not Marlon like, Mack. Right. They clearly made an effort this season to center their offense around Mack. And there have been games where they have said, you know what, Jacoby, like, we'll let you rip it. But if he doesn't have Hilton and Ebron or Hilton or Ebron, um, that's, that's not quite as easy to do. So how much do you read into the fact that the Baltimore Ravens put up 256 rushing yards against the Texans uh, last week versus a team that over the previous four weeks, um, including a matchup against these same Indianapolis Colts who had Marlon Mack and were perfectly healthy at the time, uh, had given up 70, almost 71 yards, just under 71 yards rushing per game. I mean, like, is has this been – has this defense – been transformed since the bye against the Ravens, or is that just Baltimore destroys people on the ground? Yeah, I mean, is Lamar Jackson going to play for the Colts tonight? He's not. Okay. So, I mean, I would think neither that the Colts... Ingram, and neither is that offensive line. Neither the Colts offensive line is very good. Yeah, the Colts offensive line is very good, too. And, I mean, Jonathan Williams looked good against the Jaguars last week. I'll give him that. You know, the Jaguars' run defense is not as good um, as the Colts. Not that the Colts... Uh, sorry, the Texans. Not that the Texans' run defense is incredible, but it, it's better than their pass defense, and it's been mostly fine until last week before they played Lamar Jackson. Um, and, you know, it's not that Brissett is not mobile. It's just, like, he's not a runner. He uses his mobility to free himself to to pass more. And He's very – he's very um, – he's been this way since college. Like, you – because 
you would, I mean, I guess if you were stereotyping quarterbacks, you would be like, oh, Jacoby Brissett should be a mobile quarterback. He's not yeah. fast. He's not. His mobility fast. seems more to me like early career, like Ben Roethlisberger, yes. than it does, you know, whether it's like Cam Newton or yeah. Lamar Jackson or, or even like Dak Prescott, who obviously is, is about, very fast, but mostly uses his mobility to throw also. How about this? Jacoby Brissett is sneakily athletic. <laughs> he is sneakily athletic, yeah. Because he's kind of like a big guy. He's like, yeah. And it doesn't look like he should be able to move as well as he does, but he does. And yeah, he's he, he's deceptively fast. He's good at escaping, but he, he's not going to take off and run down the field on you. And he's he probably, can, but he would just prefer to yeah, to but get he, a little bit outside he, and throw he's it. He's not going to like beat a DB in a foot race for the first yard for the first. No, time. no, but he'll you know break the pocket and run for 15 so, yards if that's available and you're in man coverage. Like he can do that. He would just prefer. I mean, we saw it against uh, who was it? The Broncos when he made that great throw out of the end zone to T. Y. Hilton on the sideline. He did the same thing essentially last week against the Jaguars. I think it was to uh, was it Chester Rogers on the sideline too. Um, so he can do that and. Um, but he's not going to run like Jackson's going to run on design runs or, you know, shaking guys out of their boots in the middle of the field. Um, He'll he'll get the yards that are there, but he's not necessarily going to create them on his own. And that's obviously a significantly different challenge for defenses to deal with on the run on the ground game. Yeah, it sure is. So what do you think the, when the, um, what do you think the Colts are going to do offensively? Because last time against the Texans, again, they had Marlon Mack. He averaged, uh, let's see, what do you have? 44 rushing yards on 18 carries. If you carry the one, divide by seven, multiply by 12, that's 2.4 yards per carry. It's not very good. Um, just like my math. A long run of seven yards. Jordan Wilkins, two carries, nine yards. Naheem Hines, one carry, three yards. Worth noting, the Texans give up more receiving yards to, um, running backs than any other team in the in the league. Yeah, I mean, I would think that the best strategy is to sort of turn Brissett loose. But like I said, it's difficult if you don't have Hilton. It's especially difficult if you don't have Hilton and Ebron. Um, it's more difficult if you don't have one of them. Or So I would want to attack the Texans through the air. That's just the best way to do it. But if you're working with just uh, – Pascal and Doyle and, you know, the, the guys further down the line in the receiving core, it's obviously a bit more difficult to do. Sure. Um, do you think Hilton and Ebron will play? Do I mean, I don't know. T.Y. didn't practice on Tuesday and then was full on Wednesday, Ooh. and he's listed as questionable. I'm not sure what to make of that. Usually a guy will go, you know, limited, limited, full, going yeah. from – not practicing at all to full. All questionable is a weird designation. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really don't know either way on that. And it looks like Ebron, you know, even though he was an illness last week, it's an ankle for him this week. So I'm not sure what to make of that either. Um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously something that will be announced an hour and a half before the game. It's, it's hard for me to say either way, especially on a short week. The Colts, like, the if it was a Sunday game and we had three full days of practices and then a Saturday Saturday injury report too, it would be much easier to tell. But it's really only two practices because Monday you put in an injury report without practicing. So, um, the Colts injury report doesn't even have it's not even updated through Wednesday. Grow up, Colts. What are you doing? What the, what the hell? How am I supposed to use that? That's not helpful to me. Um, do you think that they should go for two more often to? Um, to uh, avoid uh, Vinatieri, 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I think they should go for two more often, no matter what, because going for two is a more positive expected value than kicking the extra point and has been for a few years now. Granted, it's not so positive that it makes an enormous difference. It's worth something like six or seven points over the entire season. But like, why would you give up six or seven points over the entire season willingly? Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I would, I would, Frank Reich seems like a guy who'd be aggressive too. It's very bizarre. Um, can the Colts, is the Colts defense good? I think it's solid. They, the thing, the thing about them is, so Matt Eberflus comes from, he was the Cowboys linebacker coach before he was their defensive coordinator. And they actually brought him on. He was supposed to be Josh McDaniels defensive coordinator when McDaniels was going to take the job. And they signed him before that. And when Reich took the job, he was the only guy from the McDaniels staff that was signed that he kept, I believe. And um, his philosophy, essentially, is very similar. We talked about this when we talked about the, the Cowboys a few weeks ago. They exclusively want to take away deep plays, and they will play a very soft zone coverage and allow you to complete underneath passes and trust that their linebackers and safeties will rally to the ball and prevent you from breaking tackles and preventing big games. This is what the Colts have done all year. They've only given up 29 pass plays of 20 or more yards on the season. And um, that's one of, I think that's the ninth lowest number in the league. So that's, that's what they want to do. And obviously you would think that the Texans are a team that takes a ton of deep shots down the field. They have DeAndre Hopkins, they have Will Fuller, even Kenny Stills is a deep guy. But I wrote about Watson and Hopkins yesterday for my quarterback uh, receiver series that we're doing throughout the rest of the season. And, I mean, if, if you had to guess how many targets 20 or more yards downfield do you think DeAndre Hopkins has had this season? I'll, I'll give you a hint. Over the last two years with Watson as his quarterback, he was targeted 67 times total, 20 or more yards downfield. How many do you think he's got this season? In 10 games. Uh, 67 divided by 2 is roughly, what, 33 divided by 6. So, look, two times a game. I would guess that through 10 games, he has 8, but it's really low. <laughs> it's 11. <laughs> okay, but still, not, not yeah. they're doing it once a game, basically. They're targeting him down the field. Does that yeah. include PI or that, um, like that? Uh, yeah, I guess it definitely includes a one. Yeah. Pro football focus. Um, and he's doing that. Why would yes. take shots with freaking Hopkins? What are you doing? Two catches for 50 yards and, and no touchdowns on throws downfield. I mean, if, if you go back and watch the Chiefs game, if, if you read the preview post for this game or my Watson Hopkins post from yesterday, you'll see I included a video of all of Hopkins' catches from the Chiefs game. He was essentially used as a running back. All of his catches were on throws within five yards of the line of scrimmage. He had nine catches for 55 yards in that game. And the only reason he got the 55 yards was because he broke a tackle at the line of scrimmage and took that play for eight yard, for uh, 18 yards. So it really should have been like nine catches for 36 yards, which is ridiculous. And, I mean, the, the thing I wrote about with Watson and Hopkins that sort of defined them throughout their careers is the degree of difficulty that they faced. You know, obviously Hopkins but early in his career – before Watson had these terrible quarterbacks. Hop, uh, Watson throughout his career has been the most pressured quarterback in the league. And then those two guys, they've been, you know, trying deep balls down the field and into tight contested spaces all the time. And then it really seems like they've made sort of a concerted effort this year to make things easier for them. Mm. But the result of that has been, you know, Hopkins is averaging 9.9 yards per catch 
this season. You know, his catch rate is 72%, the highest of his career, but 9.9 yards per reception for DeAndre Hopkins, a guy who has the kind of skills that he has, is just crazy. You know, you would think that they should start testing defenses down the field more often. That said, this Colts defense is essentially designed to give up the type of passes that they've been throwing to Hopkins this season. So I think it could kind of work out for them. Yeah. Uh, let's take a quick break, then we'll come back and talk more Texas offense as well as props for this evening and best bets. Grab your VIP pass. We're delving into the secretive world of Formula One. Behind the scenes with two of the sport's biggest names, Mercedes and Williams. This is not coal mining, this is Formula One motor racing. As they build their new cars. We want to be so much further ahead. We are in permanent racing mode. And face shocking headlines. Here's Lewis Hamilton moving away from Mercedes. I'm Joseph Fiennes and this is F1 back at base. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. News DVS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Finally, not like they got here. Walk in the paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching, these have been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You know, sometimes we just get rolling and D- and Dubs and I are like talking and Debo's like, like, break, break, break. Um, it happens, but the Hopkins, the Hopkins thing is crazy. Like, I don't think, I mean, he was the consensus number five overall pick in fantasy, right? He's your first wide receiver taken after the big four running backs. Some people took him ahead of Zeke Elliott. I mean, he's been a major disappointment. Uh, and, and it could just be because as you point out that the offensive philosophy has changed. I feel like a lot of times you'll see them in game start to really – and you saw this against Baltimore. They were gashing the Ravens with, like, over-the-middle easy looks to Hopkins. And they would be moving the ball, moving the ball, and then all of a sudden they'd be like, oh, that's working too well. Let's run up the middle with Carlos Hyde three times or something. I don't, I, I don't know why they don't just run no huddle sometimes with DeAndre Hopkins and Deshaun Watson and let them wing the ball around. Yeah, I mean, look, with Hopkins, I think the the big reason he's been disappointing fantasy-wise is just the touchdowns. Like, he had 13 touchdowns two years ago, 11 touchdowns last year, and he's only got four this season. I mean, he's got 75 catches already this year on pace for a career high, um, you know, seven and a half a game. That's what, like 120 on the year, which would be five more than last year. The, the yards obviously are down a little bit, but it's the touchdowns that's made him a, a fantasy disappointment. So, I mean, it's it's not like he hasn't been good. It's just that they're not getting, again, they're not getting those shots down the field and they're not getting the touchdowns. Like the touchdowns are going to, you know, Duke Johnson has a few receiving touchdowns. Darren Fells has like 11,000 receiving touchdowns. Um, so it's it's just a little bit more <laughs> spread 11, out. Uh, 11,333 te- technically. Oh, okay. So that's that was a little bit off. Rounded down. Um, yeah. yeah, but I mean, and look, I I do think that the way they move have moved the ball with Hopkins this year plays into their hands for this particular game, which is interesting. Um, mm. And it also, like we brought up Duke Johnson, I think it plays into his hands too. Like I feel like I say this every time I talk about a team that he's on. It makes no sense that they don't get him the ball more you. often. Um, he somehow got pigeonholed when he came into the league as like a receiving down back that only plays on third downs in the two minute drill. Uh, I went to the University of Miami. He is our all time leading rusher 
He was not a pass catching back when he was at Miami. He was like a between the tackles runner. Yeah. He's he's not small. Like it makes no sense that he's become a guy that teams think can't run the ball. Um he also breaks tack like he is the best tackle breaker in the league. He's at at or near the top of the elusive rating rankings. Carlos Hyde, four fumbles this year. Duke Johnson, at, zero fumbles. Yeah, he just he all he does is break tackles, get yards after contact on the ground and through the air, and especially in a game against a team that plays zones like this is going to let you check down and throw the ball short and make you gain yards after the catch. Like this is a game where you should use a ton of Duke Johnson. That said, I do not have any confidence that. Uh, that Bill O'Brien is going to do that. He just hasn't done it all year. The last time Johnson had double-digit touches in a game was week one when they had signed Carlos Hyde like four days earlier or whatever it is. Um, said all that, I fully expect Carlos Hyde to run the ball 42 times. Duke Johnson was a fantasy screw job this year because he like, he got, you know, this before the Carlos Hyde thing, he'd been cut by the Chiefs and like he got traded, Duke Johnson gets traded to the, to the Texans and everybody's like, we got to draft this guy in the fifth round. And I mean, well, like, it was before that it was like, oh, well, he should have a role next to Lamar Miller. And then Lamar Miller tore his knee in the preseason. That's, and right, that's, that's right. when everyone if was like, acting after the Lamar Miller injury, it's like, Duke Johnson, fifth round, fifth round, and that didn't work out very well. Right. You could have taken Chris Godwin instead. I mean, I'm sure one of those guys, I'm sure they're basically the same point scored. I hadn't looked in a while, but I'm sure it's very close. Um, that was a, that was a joke too. Uh, that was a good joke. If Will Fuller plays, how big of an impact does he have on the Texans? I do think it has a pretty big impact. You know, first of all, it knocks Kenny Stills back down into the slot where I think he's been better this year than in the, you know, we need you to be fuller on the outside type of role. Um, and then it also just forces defenses to account at least for that deep part of the field. Granted, that's what the Colts are doing anyway. But I mean, if you do have to worry about that, that deep shot over the top to fuller, cause that's essentially what he does all of a sudden that, that check down that short area stuff to whether it's Hopkins or Johnson or Fells, or Jordan Akins or any of the other tight ends that they want to put on the field, that's a little bit more open. You know, just having that, I mean, I think you saw in the games that he's out, I mean, Hopkins' target depth is even lower. Um, You've seen these games over the past few weeks, like nine catches, 55 yards, uh, one of those games, eight catches, 48 yards, seven catches for 80 yards. Like, it's all very short stuff for him, and... um, that stuff is a little bit more open when you have somebody across the field who defenses have to worry about. That's right. Um, okay, let's get to the props. Sean Watson, over under 200. Oh, let me ask you this. Do you think there's value in betting the under on Zach Pascal or Eric Ebron? Or, excuse me, Jack, Zach Pascal and Jack, Zach Doyle with the expectation that Eric Ebron and T.Y. Hilton would play? Because those numbers would crater. It's like 40 and 32 or something like that, I think. I think there is probably value in betting against Doyle because if either one of those two guys plays, it hits him more than Pascal, I think. Um, if T.Y. Hilton doesn't play, yeah. Pascal's over a 40 yards is pretty is a pretty good bet, right? Maybe. What's that? Would you take the over on Zach Pascal if T.Y. Hilton doesn't play? Probably, yeah, just because he's going to have to – Somebody's gonna have to catch the ball, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, over under Sean Watson, two hundred seventy and a half passing yards. Um, I'll go over. I think that they'll 
they'll give you completions. They just won't give you them deep down the field necessarily. And if he's willing to fire the ball in and seven, eight yard passes, those yards are going to be there. Yeah. Uh, he had 308 passing yards and one touchdown, two interceptions in the last meeting against the, uh, the Colts, a, a 23, 30 to 23 victory by Indianapolis over under 233 and a half passing yards for Jacoby Brissett. I think I'll go over there too. The Texans secondary is just not good and their pass rush since JJ Watt's been out has been not very good either. And, um, I'm just, I guess, betting that at least one of Hilton and Ebron is going to play and give him, you know, his top target, whoever it is. Okay. Uh, over under Carlos Hyde, 62 and a half rushing yards. Um, right. it's tough because I don't think they should be, you know, using Hyde a ton, but I think they might well, anyway. Don't think, don't think with your Dubin brain. Think with your Bill O'Brien brain. Yeah. Um, I guess I do like these teams to score a decent amount of points, so I guess I'll go over there too. Okay. 12 carries, 35 yards. Yikes. Against the, uh, the Colts the last time out. Um, Duke Johnson, 7 carries, 34 yards. Good efficiency usage, Bill O'Brien. Way to go. Great job by you, Bill. Great job by you, Billy. Um, over under 79 and a half receiving yards for DeAndre Hopkins. I feel like I would go over on whatever his catches is and under on the yards just because of like we just talked about the way they've been using him. Like I could see him with a 10 catches for 70 yards type of game. Right, let me see if I can find the catches really quick. I, I do agree. Like the problem with, I mean, he just hasn't gone over big numbers. I mean, like he hit a, a hundred yards a couple weeks ago yeah. against uh, Oakland. I think it was uh-huh. had like 108 yards, I think. Ooh, but a six and a half. Yeah, I think I would go over there. Yeah, he. I mean, he gets it. He, he look. He gets the targets. His last six, uh, five games: twelve, twelve, thirteen, eleven, and twelve. And that's right, and he's had seven catches or more in six straight. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And 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 he had eight or more in four of those, and nine or more in three of those, including an eleven catch game against Oakland. God, find the freaking end zone. He had that week one game against the Saints where he went for eight, 111 and two. It's like you drafted him. You're thinking like this guy, like Hopkins is going to have a monster year. And but man- you look at the, the run of corners he faced in the next few weeks though. He had Jalen Ramsey, Casey Hayward and James Bradbury in a row. Desmond Trufant in that. I guess they blew out the, then the Atlanta game is the Will Fuller game. Mm-hmm. Trufant did play that week, I think. But it, he wasn't. He was on Hopkins, and they just cut Will Fuller loose up the field. That's when right. Fuller went for like fifty fantasy points. And um, then they used him as a running back, basically against the Chiefs. And then since then, like nine one oh six and one eleven one oh nine eight forty eight and one and seven eighty. Like he's been pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, so it's just that it's that four game, that five game stretch where he you know he just didn't. He, a he wasn't in the end zone, and B he was playing against good corners. That's a good point. He might have a monster stretch run there. Um, well, probably not because uh, <laughs> he's got New England next week and then Denver and Chris Harris the week after that. Um, yeah. Yeah, maybe he's going to have a terrible season then or just a down season. Tampa Bay week 16, though. So if you make it to your finals in fantasy and you got – Yeah, uh, c- congratulations. If you make it to the fantasy finals with DeAndre Hopkins, you won your league. Yeah. You also probably aren't going to make the finals with DeAndre Hopkins because you've dealt with that five-game stretch. Uh, Yeah, I know from experience. I got DeAndre Hopkins on my big money league team. Ouch. Okay, what's your uh, your pick here? I got 27-21 Texans. 
Ooh, I had a uh, twenty-eight twenty for uh, for HQ for the HQ hit. I'm doing it one thirty-five. So we're right on the same page there. So you like the Texans to cover the three and a half? I didn't know that they were favored by three and a half, but yeah. To me, the three and a half stinks. Like, why is that? Why is it three and a half? Why not just three? Three and a half is begging people to take Indianapolis, begging them to take Indy. Oh, like that—that that it's going to be a field goal game. Okay. Um, it's like it's like you're like you like. If, I just think when you think about this, like a casual better, you're like, okay, it's three and a half. Like these teams are pretty even. Indy won before. It's you know Indy's owned Houston in the past, and they're getting a half a point. Like please, I'm taking like it, you know it's going to be a close game. I don't know. I don't know what my logic and reasoning is for Indy getting blown out. Like it, it is kind of hard to imagine, but. Because Jacoby Brissett keeps things close usually. Indy always plays one score. I, I just don't know. I feel like I guess they probably want you to take the Texans because or, or the Colts because everybody saw that Texans game last week and they got blown out. So people were like, "Oh, the Colts are definitely going to win," and then the Texans win. That's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying. Like the last thing you saw was the Colts smothering the Jaguars and the the Texans getting obliterated by the by the Ravens. And now the Texans are three and a half. Like if it were two and a half, I'd be like, ah, I'm taking Indy. Like that's 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 kind of stupid thinking, but that's just sort of. Does that make you know what I'm saying there? Like, yeah, it makes sense on a. I mean, maybe I should stop trying to get into the mind of like Vegas. This is why I don't bet anymore. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so you like the o- the over is 46. Uh, so I guess based on uh what we. We're talking about last week or the other day with the the like and love. I guess I, I like it, but don't quite love it because I'm two points over. Yeah, I mean, I I I would lean towards the over here, I think. But then you sort of think about this game, and it could totally be like a grind. You know, like it could be like a like Vinatieri misses an early field goal, and the Texans are punting, and Bill O'Brien's being conservative, or like Frank Wright goes. Bill O'Brien's being conservative. I know. I know. No I, I, way. I, I, like I said, 28 20, I think it does go over, but it may be, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 28, um, I don't know if you would kick a field goal down 28 17. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like 19 16. Like Thursday night games are weird. Sure. Yeah. It's a Thursday night game. It's weird, but we both like the Texans and we both like the over a, a smidge. Maybe tease it, tease it down. Take the Texans dogs and take uh, the over. How about that? That works. Okay. Jared Dubin, you're the best. We will talk on Monday. We've got a good big one. Rams and Rams and Ravens. Excited for it. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, buddy. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here.